there's a marked difference on how my day looks on a day that I don't spend with Jesus than on a day I do, period. There's a difference in my, in the way I talk to my wife, in the way that I might respond in a meeting, a very marked difference. It was not a relationship, honestly. And that's really weird to say in my mid forties as a pastor, I had a relationship, but it wasn't a healthy relationship. What's neat about this journey is I notice it in myself now. And then I go, oh my goodness, yeah. And tomorrow's gotta look different. Hey friends, welcome to Free and Light, a podcast designed to help you experience the life Jesus offers. I'm your host, Tim Shelton, and I am glad you are joining me today. A few years back, our producer, Josh Colazano, he sent me a text message that went something like this. Tim, you have to meet John Nicholas. Now, I had no idea who John was, but uh, Josh knew him from the creative circles that he ran in. And uh, after hearing a little bit of John's story over breakfast of spiritual and ministry burnout and how God rescued him, uh, Josh knew right away that this was somebody that our team at Sequel had to meet, somebody whose heart was aligned uh, with ours, who was passionate about pursuing God. And so we coordinated schedules, we jumped on Zoom, and we traded stories about what God is doing in our lives. Now, since that moment, John and I have become fast friends. And here's what I have gotten to know about John. First, as you could guess, he's a follower of Jesus, uh, which means he isn't perfect. But let me tell you, friend, he is the real deal. He loves Jesus more than anything else in his life. And that is evident by uh, his prayer life and his daily rhythm with Jesus. It's rich and consistent and deep. And we're going to spend a little bit of time in this conversation talking about that and how that came to be. But I've also learned that John is a busy guy. He's a husband and father of four. He works as the creative and worship pastor at the Woods Church in Warren, Michigan. And he also leads the School for Leadership, a college alternative for young people who want to get a college degree, learn what it takes to be a leader, and become uh, spiritually mature to be developed spiritually. And so he runs this. And if that wasn't enough on his plate, he also leads an annual conference that he founded with his church called Overflow. Now, a little side note, if you're creative, if you're a worship leader, if you're a musician, you got to come to Overflow. This is a conference that was designed just for you. And you're going to hear a little bit more about that in our conversation. But let me just tell you, uh, just kind of make a mental note, you need to come to Overflow uh, this February. Now, John has a lot on his plate, but here's the one thing I can tell you at the very top of his list, most important in his whole life is spending time with Jesus and listening for his voice. He's a man who prioritizes uh, the practices of getting quiet and still before the Lord. And he wants at every step of his life, God to lead him. And so my hope is that you would learn from him, uh, from some of his failures and his successes, uh, and that it would encourage you to get quiet, to settle before the Lord and listen for his voice. So with that being said, John Nicholas, welcome to Free and Light. 
Thanks, man. Excited to be here. It's hard to believe that it's only been three years we've been friends. I uh, know. It seems like a lifetime. Yeah, it really I'm, has. It Absolutely. I remember the, uh, the second time I met you, because the first time was over Zoom. We were kind of trading stories. But the second time I met you was in the green room at Overflow, mm -hmm. because you asked us to come and be a part of uh, the 2020 pandemic conference. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, the mess that that year was. And I remember like kind of shaking hands and giving you a hug. And I'm like, I feel like I've known you my whole life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, we feel, I feel the same way about you and my wife uh, loves you and Kelly as well. And love hanging out with you guys. It's, it's like a fast family. Agreed. It was kind of one of those weird things where like, I know we're at a conference and he's running this thing and kind of like, I feel like there's a vibe going on here, but you know, maybe that just happens at <laughs> conferences. I don't know. But then my wife comes up and says, hey, just so you know, we're hanging out with John and Rachel. Oh, <laughs> this is happening. And our wives just kind of, you know, held on to each other. It was, it was, it was beautiful. Yeah, I love it. It was beautiful. So, so good. So I wanted to sit down and have a conversation with you today because we got connected through uh, Josh and he heard a little bit of your story on uh, spiritual burnout. And, and I have seen since then what has come out of that uh, Truly, the overflow of your heart, you know, and the and the overflow conference. Obviously, we'll get into that. But I just I got to ask, like, you had this kind of moment of burnout. Uh, for me, I called it the dark night of the soul. <laughs> I forget which theologian I I borrowed that from. It's it's been thrown out a lot that kind of phrase. But you had this moment. When did your burnout happen? Yeah, I had been in ministry um, at this uh, particular church, the Woods Church, um, for a long time, about 15 years, and uh, had kind of hit the point where I was thinking it might be time to move on, might be time to do something else. Uh, I kind of checked all the boxes, done all the things that I thought that I was called to do here. And uh, our church leadership was like, hey, man, uh, we'd love for you to take a sabbatical just to kind of refocus and regroup. And there wasn't any um, major like, oh, my goodness, I'm burned out. I need a break. It wasn't that. It was more so like, hey, what's the next step? What's the next decade look like for me? What is this the right place? Is is uh, what do I need to be doing differently? And so, um, I they graciously offered me the sabbatical. I I took the sabbatical, and uh, kind of to answer your question, I went into the sabbatical thinking, oh, this is going to be where the Lord gives me like the next ten years of a vision for my ministry. I'm going to write a, a worship album full of songs. Uh, I'm just going to, this is going to be wonderful. I'm going to come out of this with so much focus and energy and creativity because that's the stuff that had kind of waned. But uh, I'm like two days into this thing and I'm realizing uh, that's not how this is going to go. So they didn't, they like, they didn't see anything like off in you and you necessarily weren't sensing it to start. I was sensing more of like, man, my creativity's not quite there. Mm. I'm, I'm a little drained, um, but I didn't necessarily identify it at the time as spiritual burnout, but I get into the sabbatical and the Lord begins to reveal things to me right away. Mm. First couple of days. So pause there for just a sec. You, so you said your creativity was waning. One of the things I wanted to ask you is like, were there warning signs popping up? I, looking back? Yes. So at the time, I probably didn't notice them as warning signs. So looking back, what were mm -hmm. some of those warning signs? Yeah, for sure. Um, creativity certainly was one. I've been a fairly creative dude my whole life. And so all of a sudden, ideas weren't there. 
um, just feeling a little drained when it came to uh, things that used to excite me, new challenges were kind of like, Oh, I got to go do this mm. kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, um, kind of that way in, in not just creative things, but just in ministry in general, just kind of like, Oh, Oh, Sunday comes every seven days. It's time to do this again. Kind of the monotony of, mm-hmm. of ministry. Uh, I think I might've in that season even made the comment like, man, ministry would be so great if it weren't for people. Like I got to work, <laughs> I didn't have to work with all these people, oh, um, which is obviously yeah. ironic and silly and, yeah. and ridiculous. But those were kind of the, the thoughts and that, and, and, at the time, my, my thought was like, well, maybe I'm just not at the right place. Yeah. Well, I asked that because, you know, our audience, you know, most of them that are not in ministry. So if you're listening, For sure. friend, and you're like, oh, that, you know, I get that, you know, working in the church is hard. It is actually, it's super hard. Uh, people are taxing and, and ministry is, you know, you don't work 40 hours a week in ministry. You, you, they're most ministries. But the warning signs can be true of, uh, anybody's career, anybody's job. And um, what you found was, at least in your case, there was more going on under the surface than just, man, I don't feel really creative. I really don't want to go to this meeting. Like, mm-hmm. There was more going on. Absolutely. Yeah, the Lord just began to reveal to me um, like priorities. Um, I hadn't spent significant time with him in quite some time. Um, and the way it kind of started out for me is the Lord was like, you know, I'm not really the number one thing in your life. Mm. And I'm like, well, yes, you are. Mm. Of course you are. Like I've given my life to you. I'm in ministry. I, I, um, uh, you know, my whole life rotates around you, Lord. And he's like, well, but if I'm the most important thing in your life, why don't you spend any time with me? And of course I was like, well, of course I spend time with you. And I started listing all these things and he's like, no, 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 I'm not when you are preparing for a meeting or, or putting a worship set together or doing something for, for your career, your job. I'm talking about just intimate time in my presence. For the sake of being with me. Just being together. Yeah. And so my sabbatical turned into that, basically being quiet before the Lord, listening, which I had not done a lot of, a lot of time in scripture and prayer. And what I realized was, I don't do this. Mm. I just don't do this on a regular basis. One of my uh, good friends, evangelist Rob McCorkle says, prayer is the most assumed thing nobody does. And I, it struck a chord with me because I'm like, yeah, I don't think in the regular rhythm of my life, um, I spend time with the Lord. Like I spend a lot of time doing things for the Lord. Mm. I spend a lot of time around church, around church people around other pastors or things, but just time with just me and Jesus. Um, I probably at that time could not have named a time where I was doing that on mm-hmm. a regular basis. Well, what were some of the uh, things that were floating to the surface during that month or two or how long was the sabbatical? Um, it was about eight, eight or nine weeks, okay. 10 weeks, maybe. 10, ten weeks, yeah. Like so what were some of the things at a character level mm-hmm. and at a heart level that were floating to the surface during that time? Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of followed a, a pattern of like, I'm not the number one priority. You don't seek me first. And so, you know, where, where I spend my time and money, um, you know, my dad 
said in a sermon once that I forgot about for 30 some years, right? And it just pops in my head as I'm with the Lord that show me your checkbook and show me your calendar and I'll show you your God. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, man, yeah, I need to get my priorities straight. I need to spend time with God. How can I say he's the most important thing in my life and not, and not dedicate time uh, to that relationship and in his presence? Mm-hmm. And so that was the number one, really the foundation of everything else. Then it kind of moved on to like, man, um, why aren't you leading your kids uh, to know and love me? Mm-hmm. And I was like, Lord, I am. Mm-hmm. Like they're at church all the time. And again, I give him this whole list. He's like, no, 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 I'm talking about you. Mm-hmm. investing in them mm-hmm. and your family. And you spend a lot of time and, and money on sports and music and other things your kids are involved in. But what are you doing to raise them up to be a follower of Jesus Christ personally? What are you doing? Were there some things maybe that you, you believed about God or believed about ministry that, as it turns out, weren't true? That kind of maybe floated the surface out of that season? Um, probably just the fact that I think I was, the the bottom line for me was I was just trying to do it all in my own strength and being sourced by my own, you know, creativity or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, that a performance based as much as I have heard messages against it and I know better that kind of performance based mentality comes into play. Like I just need to work harder. Mm -hmm. If I just did more, God would would love me more, would, would accept me more. Um, I guess that's probably the false uh, idea that, that was in my head. Just going through the motions of life mm-hmm. and letting the, the rush of everything that happens when you get married and you have mm-hmm. kids and you start a job and you start a career and all of these things just took over. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's so important to just say that out loud. Mm-hmm. You're in ministry, but you know, everybody's life can look the exact same way, which is you get busy, you do the job, you have the kids, responsibility creeps in, you got to pay the bills and you have soccer practice. And honestly, we just got to get to 9 p.m. and lay our head on the pillow and do it, right. do it all over again. And what gets lost in the shuffle is the thing that matters the most. And we right. know it if if we're professing to be a follower of Jesus. We know it, but it's not until we slow down that we realize it because yep. you're on the treadmill, if you will. And it's not until you step off of it and then go, Oh, there's a different way. Yeah. Um, for me, that, that was my sabbatical. It mm-hmm. was the time to step off of that and to spend a lot of time. I took my sabbatical seriously. Like I wasn't going to sleep in and just binge Netflix. Right. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, I really need to hear from the Lord. And again, he revealed all those things to me that I needed to change in order to um, in order to prioritize my life around him. Yeah. And it wasn't until I came back from my sabbatical that I realized what the treadmill was. Mm-hmm. Cause I came back and it was like, Holy cow, what is this? Yeah. And, uh, there was a lot of talk in those days about like, Hey, should I change, go, change careers even, um, start leading other organizations, uh, not even in the church. Um, there were lots of, um, I think it would just be, it would just be hurried, rushed. Um, it would not be as fruitful for myself personally, for my wife and my kids. Um, I've changed as a person. Mm. I, I hope and pray that I continue to. I'm not there yet, but my wife and my 
family and my friends would would say I'm a different person. In fact, the joke around the church is, oh, that was pre-sabbatical John. And they'll say like, oh, pre-sabbatical John would have acted like this, but we love this John. I mean, it's, they say it tongue in cheek, but there's truth yeah. to it, right? I don't like to think about what it would be like because yeah. I want to live more and more. And I haven't arrived, man. Sure. This is a journey. Um, and, but but uh, I, I want to live more the way that I live now than I did. But I, th- sure. I think it's helpful to envision the future sometimes. Mm-hmm. To just kind of put some clarity on like, you have a choice right now. It's like red pill, blue <laughs> right. pill, right? For sure. The pill that you take, the, the path that you, you know, embark out on with Jesus and with intimacy with him, it really does alter the trajectory of your life. Uh, Absolutely. The, the joy and the love and the peace and the satisfaction and the impact and the purpose, mm-hmm. because we all want to make a difference. We, you know, we, none of us get up in the morning and just be like, well, what I do doesn't matter. Right. We all want to have, uh, you make a dent. And if, and if you're following Jesus, you want to make a dent for the kingdom. And that kind of moment you come out of sabbatical mm-hmm. is like your red pill, blue it pill was. moment. And, and just to, to explain how it felt to get back into the routine, uh, I came back to the church and went through all their meetings and did everything just like I used to, except for I was very discontented. And it was obvious to my lead pastor and our executive director and uh, one afternoon, they're like, hey, man, what's going on? You don't seem happy to be back. You don't seem, and kind of like what you said, my soul was breaking because I had spent all this time with Jesus and I had learned this whole new rhythm and uh, I was learning what it meant to be led by the spirit in, all the time, not just like in a moment, but like just living that way. And all of a sudden I got back on the, the crazy treadmill. And so I explained that to them and I said, listen, guys, I feel like uh, and this is kind of how I explained. I said, I feel like the way that we do ministry is backwards. I said, I feel like we, we get smart people around the table and we say, hey, what should we do? Like, what should we do for Christmas? Or what should we do for this event? Or what's a new initiative we need to launch? And then we um, say, well, what are other churches doing that's successful? Because obviously God's using that and maybe we could tweak that or take that. Um, and then we create this thing that we create. And then we say, we give a little token prayer, like, God, bless this thing we made. Would you bless this, please? Yeah, bless this thing that we created. And I said, man, I just feel like what what the Lord's teaching me is the first thing I need to do is listen and pray and discover what he has, what he wants me to do. Then let's get smart people around the table and say, how how do we accomplish that thing that God's calling Mm -hmm. us to? And then... Even look at best practices from other churches who's doing something similar that we can learn, but that's not chasing what they're doing, but chasing what God's calling us to do. And then at the end of the day, we can just give it all back to God as an offering. And, uh, and so that's kind of, it was a four hour conversation, Sure, but, but that's one of the ways I described like how I was feeling. Yeah. And uh, just the fruit from that was the very next day my pastor came in and he's like, man, I couldn't sleep last night. I couldn't, like the conversation we had has been um, just on my mind. Um, he's like, we need to make some changes. And uh, I could give you a, a quick list of things that, that he implemented. I love my lead pastor. He's more of a, like a ready fire aim guy. He doesn't really mm, sit down and I try to strategize <laughs> a ton of things around it. He's like, hey. He's my people. Yeah, I feel like God's <laughs> calling me to do this. We're going to do it. 
And so yeah. he, he just called the staff together and said, Hey, we're having prayer together every morning. So our, our church staff meets for the first hour of our day, um, in prayer. And, uh, and he got up in front of our church and held a white sheet of paper up. I'll never forget this Sunday and said, this is our calendar. Um, we're going to take away all the things that we've always done just because we've done them. And from now on, we're going to pray. We're going to listen to God. And when he gives us something to do, we're going to put it on the calendar. Mm -hmm. So just things like that, that began to revolutionize our church and my team as well. And I, I can't help but think like, I know this is, you know, we're talking a little church strategy or ministry or whatever, but I mean, really take the church out of it. Mm -hmm. This is exactly how we're supposed to live our lives. Correct. We get quiet when there's a decision to be made or just, we want to seek direction. We listen, whatever God says, we just obey. Right. It's not more complicated than that. Right. Now it takes courage and trust and faith and wisdom and discernment. It takes all those different things. But at the end of the day, if we're being really honest, like how often do we do that? Well, before it was very rare. <laughs> yeah. And I'm talking kind of culturally, yeah, church yeah, yeah. culturally, sure. you know, you can even just say, just, take the nearest hundred people around you that, you know, almost never is the answer. Right. For sure. And we wonder why we aren't experiencing the life that Jesus has for us, but we're not inviting him into the equation. Well, mm -hmm. how does he get into the equation? You got to be quiet. Mm -hmm. You've got to get alone with him and you've got to surrender your agenda to his. And then in the process, he's going to align your heart with his heart. And then that's where the, Magic really right. resides. It would be hard to quantify what an entire day with Jesus uh, results in, in your life, but it is so rich and deep and fruitful. And we get to see it at Sequel when people come to get away or get to spend a whole year with us at Refreshing Courage. It literally changes their life, not because of anything we're doing, but because they just met with God. Right, you're it, teaching them new pattern. Yeah, and out of that time with Jesus, the overflow, and I, and I want to intentionally use that as a place to jump to the conference mm -hmm. you guys started, the overflow is unbelievable. It changes your heart. It aligns your heart with God. It changes your marriage. It changes your parenting. It changes mm -hmm. your purpose in a lot of ways. Um, it, it is unbelievable. Um, out of this season of your life mm -hmm. and out of this season at the woods, God gave you kind of a new dream, a new vision for a conference that ultimately was named Overflow. Tell us a little bit about how that came to be. Yeah. Um, again, so the, the, uh, the structure of our morning prayer times as a staff was we spend the, thir the first 30 minutes on our own. We spread out usually all over the room. There's either music playing or most of the time it's one of our leaders is just kind of prophetically singing over the room. But um, it's just time one-on-one -on -one with Jesus. And then the second half, we come together and we pray corporately. But it was in one of those times, I tend to walk around and pace. And, um, and the Lord, I felt the Lord impress upon me, like, hey, I want you to do a creative conference. And I was like, well, that's silly. That's a dumb idea. And I, I literally spent the next 10 minutes telling the Lord all the reasons why this was a horrible idea. Like I never once in 20 plus years of leading worship did I ever think, oh, I should start a worship or creative conference. And so this is a really weird idea. Um, you know, nobody knows who I am. They don't know our church. Uh, we're in Warren, Michigan. Who's going to come to Warren, Michigan for a conference? I'm not even going to be able to get someone to come speak to this, at this thing, let alone people to attend it. And I gave God all these reasons why this is a terrible idea. And, uh, my favorite part of this story is 
he didn't even, uh, didn't even address any of that. Literally the next thing I sensed from his presence, the next thing I heard from him was, okay, session one's going to go like this. And I grabbed my journal and I literally wrote an entire conference out, four sessions, breakouts, everything in about 10 minutes. And I took it to my team. I said, I don't know what to do with this, but I feel like the Lord's asking us to, to start something like this. And, uh, and so that's kind of where it started. Like it literally was like, I don't know, this is a silly idea in my mind. I kind of felt like the, when Jesus told them to walk around the walls of Jericho and you're going to just yell and the walls are going to come down. And I was like, that doesn't seem like a very good military strategy, but, (laughs) but it's what God was calling them to do. Right. And I kind of felt that way about this, like, God, this doesn't make a lot of sense. There's a lot of bigger churches in our area, better churches that could do something like this. Like our facilities aren't great for this. Like I had all these things. And it was just like, the Lord was like, okay, well, this is what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we, we kind of stepped out on faith and we're like, okay, let's do this and see what happens. And here's the neat thing. Here's what I'd say. The difference in that versus other things that I have done in the past, when it's God's idea um, and you do things God's way, it's kind of up to him to produce fruit, right? Yeah. And I feel like oftentimes when it's our idea and we do it our way and our agenda, man, that's a lot of pressure right? It's a lot of pressure. I got to make this thing succeed. And um, I don't, I, I feel pressure to steward what God has given me yeah. well, but I don't feel the pressure to like, oh, it's all on me. Cause I'm just like, God, this is your idea. Well, and the difference of how you carry the difference of those two is huge. Like if you, if it's on you, your idea, you carry that heavy mm-hmm. and tight and, and you try to control it. But when it's on him because you're just listening and obeying. There's a free freedom. There's a lightness that comes with that because it's right. not on you. It's up to him to produce the right. fruit. It's your idea. No, it's not my idea. It's your right. idea. And uh, and that's other. There's been other areas of life that are like that too. You mentioned you know outside of church stuff that the Lord's told my wife and I. Hey, I want you to give financially to this family anonymously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. Things that don't necessarily make sense and things that are probably not in my nature. And so I know, okay, that's the voice of God. Mm-hmm. And so the, the choice is to obey, mm-hmm. right? Or to walk away. So. Well, and I've seen it, you know, as we have dinner with your parenting, right? As your kids, you know, we haven't mm-hmm. been friends for 30 years, but just in the last three years, your kids have gone through different stages mm-hmm. and, and we've had conversation and prayed together in the middle of restaurants, restaurants right? right? And uh, uh, where you're really trying to listen for what God has for your kids. And as you, as a parent, I've seen, we had a couple conversations about what you're learning as a dad. I'm like, man, I wish I, I got to stop doing this and I got to start doing this. Mm-hmm. This is what God's telling me. And the obedience that comes from that, that that's where the fruit is at because right. it's on him. hundred percent. It's listening. It's, it's just the things that I never really did before. I didn't take the time mm-hmm. to actually listen to what God wanted. I wanted to do a bunch of things for him and even my, within my family. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, I, I decided, no, 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 I need to, I need to reprioritize. I need to listen. Mm-hmm. Obviously, John, you used to live differently um, and you weren't sourced by the right things. And guess what? What would happen is I would have conversation with worship leader, pastor, a businessman in my church just different people in my life and realize, wow, they're also not living sourced by the right things. Mm-hmm. And so the vision of overflow, it's, it's not just about learning to be a better leader or learning this new trick or this new 
music thing that's out there, new technology. Uh, we want to touch on those things. It's important um, for us to sharpen our skills. But more important than that for us is how do we teach people to live and to serve and that everything they do comes out of the overflow of their relationship with Jesus. That's the start. That's where it's got to it's got to come from there. And when you're sourced by, from there, from God's presence, and you're sourced by him, then there's not burnout, then there's not rush, then there's not stress. It's, uh, it's a different way to live. And, and even as simply as you will love your job. Yeah, you'll Be, love. Because it's free and light and there's fruit from it. And you see that what you do matters. You're having an impact and people are coming to know God, not just know about him. Right. But there's got to be a rhythm to your life. There's, you've got to slow down. Right. And man, I think it's important to remind people too that, it, that it's not about perfection. Um, I'm, a, I'm a perfectionist. Uh, I'm, I'm a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> like I'm literally the kid who when they, you know, when they colored outside the line or something, that you throw the whole thing away. Uh, even now, like if I'm painting and I do the trim along the top of the thing and I get a little paint on the ceiling, I'd like burn the house down. Like just burn the whole house down. It's time to just build, start over because I'm just such a perfectionist. And so how that translates to my spiritual life is if I miss a day, mm -hmm. my tendency is to say, oh, I've messed up the whole thing. Yeah. Like throw it all out, forget about it, go back to the way things were. But that's just not the way that I'm learning to live. Yeah. I'm giving myself a little grace. And so I just want people that are listening to realize like, listen, it didn't like, I didn't have this epiphany. And then every single day I've hit a home run. Yeah. Every single day I've gotten my kids uh, in, up and having devotions and spending time with Jesus. Um, that is the desire. That's the goal. But um, the, the real thing is, hey, keep, keep going. Keep trying. Yeah. Keep working at it. Well, that's why they call them the spiritual practices. Right. It right. takes practice. It takes practice. <laughs> and takes practice. it does take discipline and it takes intention. And, but what I have found in my own life is the more I practice them, the more I do them, the more I desire mm -hmm. to do them, the more discipline uh, abounds in my life. The closer I am to Jesus, the more clearly I hear his voice. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, the more full my life is. Absolutely. But it does take practice. So I, I want to dive a little bit kind of granular, if you will, into what does your morning time look like mm -hmm. personally? I have a, uh, I have a belief that you can spend time with Jesus anytime throughout the day. And you sure. should. His presence should be with you. That's the praying without ceasing, taking every moment thought captive and so forth. But from a particular rhythm perspective, I uh I think as a young man, you start you, you know, your schedule is a little different and you and you think, well, I can spend time with Jesus at night. But the older you get, the more you realize like if it's not in the morning, it's not gonna happen. Hundred yeah, that's exactly right. And, and I hate to say always, never and can't. But right. it is pretty much true on this one topic. Yeah. I mean, that was part of the prioritizing thing the Lord showed me that I needed to give him my first and my best. And so that's, uh, I've always used the excuse all my life, really. I'm not a morning person, you know. Uh, we lived in Nashville before this, and I loved that city because nothing in the music industry, at least nothing started before 10 a.m. Mm -hmm. And so that was like my, my jam. But um, the Lord was like, no, 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 you need to give me your, your first and best because I have nothing else going on at 530 in the morning. Totally. Nothing's going to compete with that, right? Yeah. Um, but in the evenings, especially with four kids involved in volleyball and soccer and 
sport, uh, different uh, music things and church activities and all of the, the things that we all have in our lives, um, there's no chance that this is happening later yeah. in the day. And, and what you have come to know is the same thing I've come to know. That informs the rest of your day. Absolutely. Uh, it, there's, there's a marked difference on how my day looks on a day that I don't spend with Jesus than on a day I do, period. Same. There's a difference in, my, in the way I talk to my wife, in the way that I might respond in a meeting, a very marked difference. Mm-hmm. What's neat about this journey is I notice it in myself now. And then I go, oh my goodness, yeah. Man, tomorrow's got to look different, right? Yeah. In the morning, it's more like take some deep breaths. Like, what do you have going on today? And I actually, allow, what I've learned is I have to allow myself to think about a few things, jot them down if I have to, to get them out of my mind. Um, so kind of like, what, what's the day hold? But I've also built into the rhythm that the very end of my time with Jesus, I walk through my day with him. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of don't have to do that as much anymore. So I just, I just quiet myself. And I usually go, my practice typically is I go to scripture first and I just try to read um, sections of God's word. Um, I mean, his word is truth and uh, we're, we're told to renew our minds and man, we're bombarded with all sorts of messages all day long from our culture. And so God's word is truth. And so I want to fill my mind with his word. Um, so that's probably the first, you know, the first steps I take are kind of just like settle myself, quiet myself. And then I open up God's word. I read um, and sometimes I read a chapter, sometimes I read four chapters um, or five chapters or something. Um, and then I typically set my Bible down and I just, I'm quiet and I listen. I'm trying to spend way more time listening than um, praying and speaking to God. My prayer time is usually prayers of worship and thanksgiving and then listening. Um, and then certainly um, the Lord tells us to cast our cares upon him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I lay out what he already knows. And I just ask him to move uh, on my behalf in these areas. But man, that that's a really small percentage of my time with the Lord. Now the vast majority is quiet listening. Pre-sabbatical, John, how much of your time with the Lord, whatever that looked like was uh, asking? 80%. Yeah. I would say that it was a, usually a prayer on the way out the door. Um, you know, bless this day. God, I need you to move in this meeting. I need to figure this thing out. I need you to help me create this thing. Um, yeah, it was, it was not a relationship, honestly. And that's really weird to say in my mid-40s as a pastor, I had a relationship, but it wasn't a healthy relationship. People have been saying this for years. You can know a lot about God without knowing him. Right. And um, we have, if you've been following Jesus for any length of time, you know that that's been true at one point in your life. Mm-hmm. You're like, man, I know all the stuff. I go to church, I volunteer, I serve, um, I give, or you know, whatever it is you want to do. When's the last time you've talked to God and when's the last time he's talked to you? Nobody would call us friends if you didn't know what my voice sounds like, if I didn't have your phone number, if there hasn't been some communication in the mm-hmm. last little bit of time. Same with God. That's why the practices matter. That's why spending time with him, you know, obviously really matters. To me, um, it's, again, that priority thing, like who's number one in my life and why? And so I spend time saying, God, here's who you are. I just say it in my soul and my spirit. 
sometimes out loud, but I just proclaim who God is. Um, maybe it's because I'm a worship leader that I've, I've learned, especially in these, in these days, that worship is a response to who God is, what he has done for us, and, and what he promises he's going to do. So um, I love to suspend that first, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes sometimes just praying prayers of worship and thanksgiving. Like, God, this is who you are. You are holy. You are awesome. You are worthy. It doesn't matter what I feel right now. You are God alone. You are the King of Kings. You're the Lord of Lords. You're in control. I'm not. Yeah, I, I live for you because you're worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. Like, thank you for forgiving me, Lord. Thank you for you know setting me free. Mm-hmm. Thank you for all of the blessings in my life. Like, I just, I just lay. You know, it's an old old timers used to say count your blessings, right? And so that's part of it. Like. Here's all the amazing things yeah. that you have done for me, God. Well, in, in our language, it's the practice of gratitude and the practice of remembering. There you in go. In sequel language, um, you, you listen, because what I'm envisioning in my head is that that just aligns your heart with his heart, mm-hmm. and it reminds you that he's the king and you're not. Right. That's, that's the reason, right? Like, and it reminds me that all of the the things that I'm struggling with or all of the things that I'm worried about or have the tendency to potentially worry about um, are under his control. And um, they're all really not all that important. Once I remember all the blessings and all the good things that God yeah. has done for me. Um, it, and it really keeps me from griping or complaining about really about anything. Cause think about all that God has already done. Like, and I made a statement the other day um, in one of our prayer times that, that, if all he ever did was send Jesus to die on the cross to save me, that's enough. Mm. And yet he piles on blessing after blessing after blessing after mm. blessing. I don't deserve any of it. So it just changes yeah. my perspective, really, going into my time of listening. Last, last year at Overflow, we did uh, a breakout session. And we're going to get to do another one this year, which, which will be super fun. But the breakout session was called... Um, Settling as the antidote to anxiety. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I was unprepared for the number of people that came to that breakout. I don't know if you remember, they were bringing in chairs from oh, yeah. other rooms. And, you know, I think part of it's because, you know, this is February 2021 and we're all an anxious mess. Uh, you know, thinking that the pandemic would be over and it's like, oh my. Lord, is this seriously happening right. again? And I remember um, how many people were there and being unprepared to say anything other than take a couple deep breaths and be in the presence of God. And then, you know, we talked a little bit about gratitude. And uh, it just, as you're saying that, and you're talking about remembering and gratitude after settling, it reminds me of what Jesus says is don't be anxious or mm-hmm. worried about anything, but in everything with Thanksgiving, present your request to God. And yeah. I just, I, I have learned from Dallas Willard, Jesus was the smartest man who ever lived ever on the face of the planet. Of course he's God, but that with Thanksgiving mm. to me does it, it's, I've never thought of that until you just said, what your rhythm looks like, of course, it reframes our entire brain. Right. Yeah, it changes everything for me. And, uh, and then after, after I pray those kind of prayers, then I just sit and listen. 
And I know that people might think that's weird or it's different. I'm sure you guys have experienced people's reactions to, mm-hmm. to that all the time mm-hmm. of like, well, what am I listening for? What do I, and you don't know till you don't till you, till you do it, I guess is the best way to say it. But I, I can, and the more time I've spent with the Lord, the more his voice is clear. And so, cause I've had people be like, well, how do you know if mm-hmm. it's God's voice or if it's somebody else's voice, or maybe that's just you. And yeah. So all those things I get, but um, then I just listen. And I follow kind of wherever he leads in those promptings. Yeah. And um, that's a big part of my time is just quieting myself, listening. And that's why we say around sequel, listening to Jesus changes everything. Mm-hmm. Literally has changed the trajectory of your life. Yes. Uh, the trajectory of your marriage, of your uh, parenting. And, you know, you probably wouldn't be at the Woods Church it probably would, not. You and know? the Woods Church probably wouldn't be doing what they're doing. And that's not to say anything about like, um, you know, I came in with some amazing strategy to help move us forward. I just shared what God was doing in my life and how I couldn't live the way we were living before. And I couldn't lead the way I was leading before. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's amazing, man. It's so fun to see how fire catches fire and how it changes. Totally. Um, it changes not only my life, but it, f- close friends of mine, um, certainly my, my team here, uh, our entire staff. And it's starting to spill over more and more into our church. You know, we had 150 people show up for a prayer night last night um, and a uh, powerful time of prayer and just listening to people from my church just leading out in prayer, um, just uh, having that corporate time of prayer. So it's, it's, it's really neat to see um, what, what that can do. Well, friends, uh, we are going to get into how to listen to the voice of God here coming up uh, not too far away on this podcast. And you can go back and check out last season. We did an episode called Listening. Check that out. But John, um, thanks for sharing your story. Yeah, man. Tell us if if our friends listening want to come to Overflow. First, do they need to be in ministry or creative or can anybody come? Anybody can come. I think that a lot of people would get a lot out of this time. If you love worship, if you love that that kind of creative culture, um, it's designed for um, all sorts. Uh, it's designed for creatives, for worship leaders, musicians, for writers, producers. Uh, anybody's, I mean, everyone's creative because yep. we were born in the image of God, right? So if you're a business person at your job, you use creativity, but really it's, it's, a, it's, it's designed, um, a lot of the breakouts are designed for uh, creatives that serve in their church. So you're, yeah. you're a volunteer um, in any kind of capacity, those kind of things. So yeah, February 24th and 25th, and uh, you can find out more information on the website or- Could Give us the name of the website one more time. Overflowconf. Hey friend, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with John Nicholas. Man, I learned so much just hanging out with him and the the part he talked about gratitude and thanksgiving before he listens to God. I I had not considered that in my own life. And man, it just blew my mind. So uh, hopefully that was helpful to you. I hope it was encouraging to you. Hey, our team is going to be at the Overflow Conference here in February. There's still a few days left uh, to get tickets. And so we would love for you to join us, join John and his team at the Overflow Conference, February 24th and 25th. You can go to the overflowconf.org and register today. 
uh, stop by and say hi to our team. We're going to be doing a couple of breakouts and we would love to see you there. Until next time, seek well. Free and Light is a podcast of Sequel Ministries. We believe that life to the full comes out of an intimate connection with Jesus. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit us at sequel.org slash donate.